favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. there. Welcome to another episode of Buggy Talks. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have Amish fiction author Lori Strapp-Smith, who will introduce us to her latest release, Pockets of Peace, which is book three in her Pocket Quilt series. Good morning, Lori. How are you today? Good morning, Tracy. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. We have had you on for both of your books, book one and yes. book two, and I'm so excited that you are bringing this series together in Pockets of Peace, and we're going to talk about Pockets of Peace here in a little bit, but like always, I really like to chat with our authors about some of their their writing career, and we all have such diverse backgrounds, and our stories are completely different, and our listeners love to hear or just sort of like get into your head a little bit about what made you write fiction, what made you write Amish fiction, and how you got to where you're at today. So are you ready? I am ready. All right. So my very first question for you this morning is, have you read anything that made you think differently about fiction? I was so glad to have received this question in advance, because when I first read it, I had no idea how I was going to answer it. And so I scrolled through my the bookshelves on, on Goodreads and looked at some of the fiction books that I've read. And I saw The Yellow Birds by Kevin Powers. This is a, a National Book Award finalist. And it's about, the book is about a soldier who returns to civilian life after fighting in the, in the Iraqi war. And please do not, I, I am not recommending this book. It is graphic and, and um, rather disturbing, but I, I needed to mention it to set context for the rest of my answer. So if you'll just bear with me for one second. <laughs> okay. Um, this book was not written in chronological order. And as I was reading it, I was very frustrated by that. But I had an opportunity to hear Mr. Powers speak. And he addressed that question. And at one point during what when he was writing, he did write the story in chronological order. But he intentionally mixed it up because he wanted to reflect war, the uncertainty, the chaos of war as a character in the book. And so fast forward to something I read more recently, um, I Must Betray You is a book by Ruta Sepetis. It's a young adult historical fiction book about a 17-year-old boy who loves to write. And the story is set in 1989 communist Romania, where the people are governed with, by isolation and fear. and this story spotlights the civilian spy network where the secret police would recruit people in the community to be informants. And so you, anything that you wrote down or anything that you said could be used against you. And you, these people didn't know who they could trust, um, you know, a best friend, a beloved family member. And so our 15 year old also read the book and, and we were talking about it afterwards. And, and we've read all of the books by Ruta Sepetis and know that she has um, strong characters and deep emotional connections. You really feel like you know the characters. But there were places in this book where Jillian and I felt disconnected from the main character and just thought, wow, I wish the author had gone a little deeper. 
and I was during that conversation, I was reminded of the yellow birds and that war was the, was a character. And I wondered if Miss Zepetis intentionally had the main character felt a little disconnected from the reader, if that was intentional because, you know, the main character couldn't trust anyone. So I, I didn't know if I, I would love to know if that was intentional or maybe she didn't just write it deeper. I don't know, but I never would have thought that had I not read the yellow birds. So it kind of, I guess, given me a, a, a different perspective when I am reading fiction. So I hope that answered the question sufficiently. <laughs> it did in a very detailed manner. And thank you yes. so much. You know, I, yeah. I have read a few books like that and, and often wondered what made the author write it like that? You know, why, mm -hmm. perhaps, why did she write it in the first person? And then she ended the book in the third person, you know, or, right. or something right. that I wouldn't normally find in a book, but it makes you stop and think about your own writing career and how you portray a story and how your readers see your, your logic in, in the way you write. So that was, that was wonderful. Right. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank sure. you. So on a lighter note, yes, <laughs> yes, much lighter. Sorry about that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Lori, tell us how you select the names of your character. Most often I will think about the character, about, you know, their strengths or weaknesses, their flaws, uh, their likes. And I will try to find something special about them. And then I look up the meanings of names and, and I have chosen names that way. Uh, and for my Amish stories, I have flipped through the budget and I've really enjoyed finding names that way. I love the budget, don't you? Oh, yeah, I get so yes. much inspiration from that, that paper. <laughs> you know, it's, yes. it's a happy day when it comes every, I get it maybe Thursday, sometimes I get it on Friday. But when it comes in the mail, my husband knows that after supper, I'm going to go yeah. sit out on the porch and I'm going to read that paper. <laughs> and it's my, it's my happy time. I just love putting myself in some of those situations. So yeah, I enjoy it too. So as many of our listeners know, a lot of us authors have dual careers, or we've done something else in the past, or maybe writing isn't our only career. But I would like to know if you didn't write, what would you do for work? Well, before I became a mom, before I was writing, um, I worked as a certified athletic trainer. I provided uh, medical coverage during athletic events. And I worked full-time in a physical therapy clinic, but that part of my life, that chapter has closed. And so uh, if I wasn't doing that and I wasn't writing, I'm pretty sure that I would do nonprofit work of some sort. And I've really enjoyed, I, I've had the opportunity to help authors like Shelley Shepard Gray and Amy Clipston and Suzanne Woods Fisher plan their girlfriend getaway events and the Amish snowbird getaway more recently. And I have loved that. So I could uh, definitely see myself in an event planning type role. Too. Oh, that's really cool. I would have never thought yeah. that of you. I didn't realize yeah. that you were responsible for that. So kudos yeah. to you. Kudos to you. That Thank is you. awesome. Um, I have had Shelly on and I've had Amy on and they are a joy to talk to. They I love interviewing are. them. Yeah, they sure are. 
So Lori, thanks for giving us a little insight into your writing career. And now is the best time of our interview where we get to talk about pockets of peace. But before we do that, I like to set the stage a little bit and just give our listeners a little insight to what your story is all about. So I am going to read your, your back matter first, and then we can talk about your story. All right. Okay. All right. This is Lori Straup Smith's Pockets of Peace. Five years after an unexpected pregnancy forces Lydia Byler to make difficult decisions, she is offered a job helping Bertie Miller manage her bed and breakfast in Pinecraft. Single, shunned, and desperate for a fresh start, Lydia agrees to relocate and reunites with the handsome Wesley Hostetler. Wesley has only ever had eyes for Lydia. Though their paths have crossed many times over the years, they never discuss the possibility of spending forever together. When she moves to town, he believes it's God's will for them to pursue a romantic relationship, but he doesn't know about her pregnancy or the adoption that followed. Inspired by a letter from the child's adoptive parents, Lydia sews a pocket quilt for the boy. She learns he he and his family will soon visit Pinecraft, and the burden of her secret becomes too much to bear. The truth comes to light, straining her bond with Wesley. What an intriguing mm -hmm. story, and I can't wait to hear more about it. So let's let's go ahead and chat about Pockets of Peace. If you could describe your main character, which is Lydia Byler, in three words, what would those three words be? Lydia is my favorite character in this series, and uh, the three words I would use to describe her are flirty, regretful, but hopeful. I loved flirty. <laughs> that, yes. is a, that is a new personality trait that I haven't heard before in an Amish. Right. So I'm excited about that. So where's, I think the story is set in Pinecraft. Is that correct? It is. Okay. It and is. how did you go about doing research to set your story in Pinecraft, Florida? Well, I mentioned the girlfriend getaway and Shelly's very first event was in Pinecraft in 2015. And that was my first trip to that part of Florida. And then um, I was there most recently and um, earlier this year for the Amish snowbird getaway. And in between there, I think like 2018, our family took a spring break trip to Sarasota and we swung through Pinecraft during that time. So I've, I've been there several times. And um, I rely a lot on Google Maps. I mean, I live in Cincinnati, so the Holmes County books, I've, you know, I've made dozen, a dozen trips up there. Um, but I, I still like to rely on, on Google Maps. I thought my Amish cares are young adults, and I was trying to find unique places for them to visit uh, down in, in and around um, Pinecraft. So Google Maps came in handy. It is. I have, I love the area. My, uh, my first, uh, one of my recent books was set, a part of that story was set in Pinecraft and I visited a couple times there. Um, uh, I enjoyed the Olaf's ice cream and yes. is it the 96 cafe or what is it called? The um, Postal 98 cafe. Yeah. And I actually yes. wanted yes. To, to say something to you about that. So when I went in 2015, the little Pinecraft post office was still in operation and because um, it closed in 2016. And so I had put something about the post office in book one. And then in book two, it was an integral part when Dixie and Gideon were exchanging their love letters. And 
so then um, I think I saw a social media post of you with a tea from from the cafe. I did. I did the honey lavender tea. When I was there in February, I we made a a, a trip there, and um, there is a scene. It's a pretty important scene between the male characters. One of those like voice of truth kind of conversations that uh-huh. I had set at Postal Ninety Eight Cafe just to show that you know that post office is no longer there, but it is this cute little, little restaurant. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, I yearn for that lavender honey uh, latte. It's a lavender honey latte. And we have a coffee shop here in um, where I live. So they had it on the menu, but it didn't taste anything like what the Postal 98 Cafe was. And I was so disappointed. So um, we do do travel to Florida a good bit. So I I always try to make a stop in Pinecraft when I go just because I love that cafe. (laughs) But oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So back to your book, you know, we all edit scenes out of our books every time we write something, something might get on paper, but it may not get in the final draft. Was there anything in this particular story that you had to edit out? Unfortunately, yes. Lydia's story came to me in December of 2016. And this was just months after I had made writing a priority. I had drafted notes. I knew everything that was going to happen from the point where we left her in book one and the field parties, all the way up to where this book three actually begins. I had, I had it all drafted out. And then at the beginning of last year, when I sat down to actually write the book, I kind of panicked because it was clearly a woman's fiction book and I was contracted to write an Amish romance. And so I reached out to my critique partner and my agent and we talked through what parts of this backstory to sprinkle in. I was laughing because I was saying that Lydia gave her parents and the bishop such a hard time when she was growing up. Um, and she really gave me a hard time through this book, um, but she is my favorite. And I, I was really glad to be able to write her story and to see that, you know, she does ultimately find peace. So oh, wonderful. Great. So what do you hope your readers take away from this story? The theme of this book was Matthew five sixteen, and that's let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. I tried to remain true to, I guess, my brand, this inspiring service through story. Lydia questions pretty heavily whether God will shine his light through her. And she recognizes, you know, she sees God glorified in the people around her and just questions whether, you know, she's worthy of that. Will that ever happen? Or has she, you know, made too many mistakes? I learned too, even through this pandemic and through writing this book, to glorify God or to, to bless others with your light doesn't necessarily have to be a grand gesture. It could be a, an intimate conversation with someone, a, a small gesture. And I, I think I hope people get that after reading the book. So as always, I love for our authors to read us just a little pivotal scene or maybe the first page of your story. Are, are you okay with doing that for us? Definitely. All right. Well, the floor is yours. Thank you. So chapter one, Lydia Byler peeked over her shoulder into the empty shop. Her cell phone rang a third time. The name on the screen produced a smile. 
Wesley Hockstetler. She relaxed into the chair and propped her swollen feet on the edge of an open desk drawer. Feet so swollen she had to replace her favorite sketchers with a pair of flip-flops. You are late. I know. Sorry. Got held up on the job site. And then the line at Yoder stretched clear around the corner. She glanced at the clock on the wall. Sounds about right. What kind of pie did you have? Banana cream. Disgusting. She scrunched her nose, suppressing a wave of nausea. Nausea. That's the worst pie on their menu. You know it's my favorite, but I'm not going to waste time arguing about pie with a pretty girl. Her cheeks warmed. Now that's what I like to hear. Do you have a busy afternoon? We have another install in, about, in, in, in an hour. I'll be fabricating stone slabs all day tomorrow, he groaned. It's supposed to be hot. The crystal blue gulf waters and sugary sand beaches of Siesta Key drifted to mind. She could almost smell sunscreen as she pulled her cardigan sleeves over her forearms. Wish I was there. I could use some Florida sun. It's gloomy and downright chilly here. Ah, yes, fallen Ohio. I should come visit, keep you warm. No! She bolted upright and rose to her feet. Her head swirled. She gripped the desk to remain steady. I mean, of course, I love that. But you don't have many vacation days. You'll spend most of your time on the road. Reschedule your trip then. She placed a hand on her belly and the heel of a tiny foot nudged her palm. I'd love to see you, but I had to cancel. We've been so busy here at the store. Customers coming in for fire pits and rakes, and the holiday rush will be here before we know it. She cringed, the lie thick on her tongue as she walked down the hallway into the furniture shop storefront. She straightened the stack of wood stained color guides on the counter. The faint scent of varnish and, and shellac hung in the air, causing the headache that ailed her all morning to intensify. Maybe my dad will approve time off for spring break. He should, and I think he should name you Byler Hardware's employee of the month. Yeah, she feigned excitement and prayed her voice didn't sound as fake to him as her response did to her own ears. The forced smile returned as she wrestled to brighten the sudden change in her mood. She couldn't think about her father, his recent heart attack, or her contribution to his physical decline, not while she was on the phone with Wesley. Silence stretched, leaving her alone with her spiraling thoughts. I miss you. His husky whisper sent shivers down her spine. And I miss you. Grateful he couldn't see her face or her growing form, she exhaled and prayed for forgiveness. You and I could be great together. We could have something mighty special. Maybe if we lived closer. Well, maybe someday. For now, I'll take what I can get. Let it be known. I think long-distance relationships are for the birds. Noted, she giggled. I'd better get going. Me too. And now don't you go batting those long eyelashes at the farm boys, you hear? You know I only have eyes for you. A sharp pain stabbed her in the ribs and she grabbed her side. Same time next week? I'm already looking forward to it. Wincing, she ended the call. Calvin approached from the storeroom, wearing a distressed pair of jeans and a heather gray sweatshirt splattered with minwax. Jacobean would stay, if she had to guess, the customer's favorite. The boss handed her a manila folder. File these order forms when you get a chance, would you? She nodded as he grabbed the keys to his truck. Backing out the front door, he continued. I'll be back in a few. Gotta run over to the school. The wife asked me to bring her some Tylenol. Well, you can count on me. She, too, could use something to take the edge off the headache she couldn't seem to shake. I know, and that's why I like having you around. She rubbed her swollen belly. 
that's quite a compliment, but my current situation has not exactly made life easy for you or your family. I beg to differ. You're quite an asset around here. Well, yeah, but we make decisions every day, some good and not so good. And we face the consequences. Your dad may be my best friend, so some might say I'm biased. He shook his head, pointed his finger, and peered at her from beneath the brim of his ball cap. You're a good egg, no doubt about it. Don't you believe otherwise? His image blurred. Donka. Better not get tears on those invoices. You'll smear the ink. He shot her a sideways smile and waved. I'm out of here. When Aaron gets back from his lunch break, will you ask him to start sanding the weaver's crib? Of course. Lydia wiped her eyes with a tissue from a box on the desk and eased into the chair. She opened the filing cabinet drawer and skimmed the first order form in the file. Joshua and Anna Weaver, her best friend's in-laws, had chosen the Boulder Creek crib and a matching dresser, fashioned from reclaimed barnwood and stained prairie gray. A beautiful choice, one she could have made under different circumstances. Calvin and Aaron would have the furniture ready in plenty of time since her due date wasn't for eight more weeks. The baby kicked as if he could read her thoughts. Hands rustled in the workroom, indicating Aaron's return. She rubbed her belly and lowered her voice. I know, little guy, you are a gift from God. Single and shunned, she could barely make it on her own. If not for Calvin's generosity, she would live at the Holmes County Woman's Shelter. The tears returned as she once again wrestled with reality. She was unfit and unprepared for motherhood. You deserve better than I can give you. Asking Joshua and Anna to be your parents was the easiest decision I have ever made. Her friends had endured more than their share of heartbreak. How many times had she witnessed Anna's sadness on a Sunday morning whenever someone mentioned God's will or God's plan? And aside from multiple miscarriages, how many times had they set their hopes on an adoption that only then failed to become reality? Placing her baby with them would be a blessing to everyone. She dried her cheeks with the back of her hand and finished filing the order forms, pausing twice to blow her nose. Once composed, she delivered Calvin's message to Aaron and returned to the office. The door creaked as her boss entered, holding a monster cookie from the Mast family's bakery. He broke off a chunk and popped it in his mouth before placing the package on her desk. For me? She raised her eyes to meet his. The room spun, and she squinted, fighting to focus. How'd you know I was craving chocolate? The lines on his forehead deepened. You feeling okay, kid? Her heart beat as if she'd consumed three cups of coffee. She swallowed the bile, bubbling at the back of her throat. Something's not right. I feel... She hunched over the desk. Calvin's hands wrapped around her shoulders. She slumped against his strong frame, and he lowered her to the floor and propped her legs on a box. Aaron, get in here! Her breaths grew shallow. She closed her eyes against the stabbing pain below her ribs. 911, what's your emergency? The voice sounded as if the person stood in a tunnel. Calvin gripped her wrist, his first two fingers in position to take her pulse. I need an ambulance. Burke Holder Furniture Restoration and Repair. Out on 63. Please, hurry. She swallowed hard. Call Joshua and Anna. And then chapter two starts um, five years later. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm very intrigued in how she got herself in that situation. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, so I, I hope you answered that in the book. So that is yes. that is wonderful. That really pulled us in. Thank you, Lori, for sharing that with us. And that was Pockets of Peace, your third book in your Pocket Quilt series. So I've got to ask, what's up next for Lori? 
That is a great question. Um, I currently do not have another contract on the horizon. So I am at a crossroads. My agent is pitching a woman's fiction manuscript that I've written and I'm waiting for, to hear, to hear back about that. And um, I do have a couple other Amish manuscripts considering self-publishing. And so I'm reaching out to my author friends who self-published to ask questions and um, learn more about that, that avenue. So we shall see. You shall see. Only God knows the plan he has for that's, you. That's right. It's really as it is. So ending our interview, is there anything you'd like to say or a message you'd like to give to your readers? Yes. When I made writing a priority, my goal was to be a published author and I would never have accomplished that if it weren't for readers. So I truly thank everyone who has given my writing a chance, who has um, picked up a book, who has shared their thoughts through your reviews. Um, I I truly thank you. And I'm excited that I will be um, one of the participating authors with you, Tracy, at the Keeping Up with the Amish um, book signing in Berlin on June 13th. And then I will be joining um, everyone for the Escape to Lancaster event in in Pennsylvania uh, in September. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, I'll close with one last thing saying um, in that chapter, I just read, uh, we heard about Calvin Burkholder. And if you've read book two, you will know that he played um, an important role at the, at the end of that story. And he is an influential person in Lydia's life. Well, he also makes a brief appearance in The Veil of Violet, which is a free novella that I offer to newsletter subscribers. So um, if anyone is interested in that, you can visit my website, lauriestraupsmith.com and join the mailing list. And that uh, digital download will be delivered directly to your inbox. So I hope you enjoy. You will. And I will make sure I put uh, links to Lori's uh, website in the show notes. So you can just look at that on my website. So you know that Thank I you. love to do a crazy little speed round where I ask yes. you stupid questions that mean <laughs> absolutely nothing, but they're sort of fun and it leaves a thing to do at the end of your interview. So are you ready for my stupid questions? I am ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Would you rather ride a camel or a donkey? Donkey. Uh, what is your favorite cereal? I'll say cinnamon toast crunch because that's the first thing that comes to my mind. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And last, if money were no object, where in the world would you love to spend a month? Hawaii on the big island. (laughs) Hawaii. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for spending time with us this week on the Buggy Talk podcast. And I look forward to hearing more about your future projects. And we'll have you back on the next time you write an Amish book. And to all of you listeners, if you'd like to pick up a copy of Pockets of Peace, look for the link in the show notes of this episode. And you can find that on my website at tracyfredakowski.com. And I know that's really hard to spell. So I've made it easy for you. And you can also go to buggytalkpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape. To end this episode, if you want more information on my latest release, Rebecca's Amish Heart Restored, or any of the stories I weave around my fictitious town of Willow Springs, I invite you to visit tracysamishbooks.com. That's Tracy with a Y at tracysamishbooks.com. 